I do have both extremes of that in my creativity where, uh, especially during my masters, I, I realized it like the most in that whenever I was writing certain pieces, there were some that I had just like a structure and I was like, Oh, let me get all of the, take a whole bunch of numbers and convert them into things. And that will generate rhythms. And I was, I did it with like 12 tone serialism, but I applied it to rhythm and the instruments that would be played. And it was like this whole technical process. And the creative part of that was more of choosing what instruments, like what the parameters were for these things. But then I just figured out the numbers. I just have this crazy weird spreadsheet that just looks like a bunch of numbers and letters, but yeah, it, it makes sense eventually and turned into music. And the, the weird part about that though, is that, you know, that piece of music and, and, you know, 12 tone serialism, if you've ever listened to it is not very fun to listen to. It's not great. <laughs> it's very difficult, very challenging. I, yeah. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. So this is great. Well, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you want to explain it? You probably have a better. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, is Schoenberg, is that? Yeah. Yeah. That, that really popularized it. Yeah. I just want to make sure I had the name right. <laughs> he, so we have 12 tones in our scale system that we use. And it, keys normally just use seven of them. But in 12-tone serialism, it, they were like, what if no note was more important than another note? We, we know what do or one is and we've we've been doing it for too long we've been doing it for hundreds of years so they decided we're going to make music where all of the notes have equal footing with each other and so 12 tone serialism is like basically you have a sequence of notes and you cannot repeat any note of the 12 until the whole sequence has played through and so that systematically makes it to where no note is played more often than another one. And it's also, it just sounds not good. <laughs> maybe, maybe just our, our feeble brains aren't accustomed to that lofty, whatever, you know, Schoenberg tried to say. But like, honestly, it's just not, it doesn't apply itself to the mind very well. That, and, and that is kind of that distinction that I'm talking about is that you can go full into technicality and then all of the soul is gone. And so I went in the other extreme during my master's and I just wrote a piece completely intuitively. And it was kind of inspired by like progressive rock. Uh, but I just kind of like threw a bunch of sounds at it and it became this brass quintet which was really difficult <laughs> and and that was really fun to just kind of not think too hard about and not apply hardly any rules and just see what came out of me and that became really fun and it was interesting to go to both extremes and find the in-betweens and so in in the creative process we like lean on both of those at all times. Right. And, and sometimes it might lean too much one way and you're hitting your head against the wall to like figure out like what the heck is going on. 
and sometimes you need to reach for the creative side. And then sometimes you're just trying random stuff and it's like, I don't like anything that's coming out of me. So let me like apply some structure so that I have somewhere to go. So, yeah. What has been your experience with that? Oh, technicality and creativity (laughs) slamming each other. Yeah, it's um, it's what I I mean, that's the world my brain exclusively lives in. Right. As an engineer, I have to float between being exceptionally technical and then kick right back into creative. And so like these mode, those modality shifts in my brain, um, they're nonstop. And sometimes, you know, you get in a mode where you're leaning far too technical or like you're looking at just for example, you're looking at an EQ graph or something like that. And all of a sudden you stop thinking about the the thing that I'm EQing musically because you're like, oh, well, is 60 be too many decibels to reduce at this? That feels like a lot. It's like, who gives a shit? Just like, does it feel good? Is, is the music doing what you want it to do now? You know, there's there. Yeah, there's so many intersections um, and music and art in general is this crazy place uh where all these things happen. We talk about this quite a bit on our podcast. Um, uh, you know, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, you were talking um, about a friend who thought they needed to go to um, art school. And the, the argument was, well, do you? And it's like, well, anybody can be, you know, an artist, you know, air quotes about, um, you know, just, just by doing it. And there's, and you can learn a lot by doing it and being surrounded by people who also do it and, and building communities that then feed off of each other. And then my counter to that was, well, you pick up a lot of technique in school and, and technique can be a shortcut for getting to the thing faster sometimes, not always, but you know, I mean, it's such, yeah, it's such a crazy thing. Um, even in our conversations, Aaron, uh, we talk about like, file structure management and how lame that is, you know, or like your computer is not particularly optimized for this thing. And it's like, well, I just want to make music. And it's like, it's the same thing, bud, you know, and it, and sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't, but no matter what, it's something we like as creative folks, if we don't manage that, I feel like something's going to get lost or left behind. And so that where that intersection is to me is where, it's just, it's so exciting because it's firing on all sides all the time. Like where you have to constantly be uh, juggling the information or, you know, like your brain has to be really fast and malleable and being able to, to switch modes really quickly. I don't know. That's where I'm at with it. Kind of just, that's what I live and breathe and do every day. I'm either fixing this thing or I'm making something or I'm building this and then I'm fixing it. It's just, it's constant. It's constant. Yeah. More questions about that, but I also want to hear Aaron's point of view. Uh, technicality and I, as Michael is privy to, have a checkered history. Um, not not because I wasn't willing, but because I didn't have enough belief to, or inner you know fortitude to actually like do the hard work of the learning. So I just was like, oh man, I'm creative, man. I'm like you know, and uh, I started to sense that the correlation to be technical would actually free me to create. And so basically the last year of being at Cardinal Song has been a journey of learning the depth of the technicality of the thing so that I actually get it out of the way. So now I don't think about whatever K. I just listen to my ears 
uh, our visual tools are very, very helpful. <clears throat> but one of the most valuable things that Michael did for me when I was mixing a single for an artist, he shut the computer screen off and made me just listen and automate on the board without looking at anything. So it's like, trust your instincts. Here's your key commands. Do it this way. And I was like, oh, that was actually like one of those like, uh, I was going to say will hunting moment. Will, uh, good will hunting moments is not your fault, Will. Not quite the same, but it was like a, it was like a turning point in my creative journey that got me thinking, like we say RTFM a lot, read the King manual. And I, I actually really do think that that, that work actually takes you further than you could ever, ever believe. The understanding of the thing that you're toying with or messing with or using as your main source of this is what I do and how I do what I do. You need to know how it works in and out because once you do that, it enables you to create at the, at the absolute highest levels because you have essentially taken off a lot of the boundaries. At that point, it just becomes what can your mind potentially conjure? And what so, rules can you break? Exactly. Yeah. And rule number one for me is that like, I don't want you to think about rules. I just want you to like creatively, I was just talking to my art team and I was saying, I just want you to creatively enjoy this process. If you get frustrated, I want you to walk away. I want you to walk away and think about what you're doing and then come back with a grateful heart because we get to make stuff together. Um, that's been serving me really well. If I get frustrated, I'll take a beat. Um, and then I'll come back and I'll, and I'll work through it. And sometimes I'll work through the frustration, but you know, they're loose rules. None of them matter. Right. Right. They're not really rules, I guess. Well, here's a, a an example from just last night or this week, even for you, there's a guitar pedal right over on your other side, uh, <laughs> called the chase bliss mood. Yeah, dude. Anybody who's ever messed with a chase bliss pedal understands technicality and art and creativity crossing over because those pedals are insanely technical. There's a gajillion modes. And have I mean, have you seen any no, of these? No, I haven't. Is that plugged in? I know this is off topic. But uh, actually, I did unplug it. Okay. Uh, Santiago, just, just walk over there and look at it um, because it's crazy. Like just the backside of it. Like you see all this dip switches, dip switches. right? Right. So the it's like, switches, yeah, the, the, it's a it's a pedal. It's got knobs and switches, but then you've got like eighteen dip switches across the back. You can change the modes. So you know this crazy place of of yeah, and the manual is you know a million pages long, and and I'll be damned if they're not the most expressive and creative pedals I've played with in years. But it's because of the amount of technicality that goes into it so that, I mean, they're actually making it easier in this way that looks very complex. But once you understand how the modes work, Shout it just out Dan. Well, yeah, for the mood, our, yeah, our friend uh, uh, Dan over at Old Blood Noise, he did the delay side of it. The other half is Drolo. Some, some really nice guy at Drolo did the looper side. But um, yeah, it's, it's just such a wild and crazy world where, where these things meet. Uh, I do think that because like, yeah, from the creative point of view that uh, I feel like most people would think like, read the fucking manual. Like, oh, God, it's so yeah. boring. What a drag. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, like some of what went through my mind looking at the back of that pedal was like, ah. Like just, just a sigh of like, this is so much, like it is overwhelming. I have so much to like learn about this thing. 
And that is part of the process of like, yes, you do. But then when you do, you know exactly what it's doing and how to get where you're going. Um, and I can't remember if you said this on the last one or this one, it doesn't matter, but like, you know, the, the problem with like the giving people a packaged thing that is all the way there is that it doesn't let you go in and tinker with it. Um, so you're speaking his language for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> that's why I'm like begrudgingly a PC user. <laughs> right. No, I get that because everything is, everything can be manipulated in, in PC world, but she's than it can in Mac world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's, there's so many uphill battles in just using a PC for music stuff or for audio stuff. Right. But like, I know exactly where it is. I know. And so, yeah, the, once you reach that point, you do have a level of freedom of creativity and knowing exactly where you you want to go. It's it, kind of interesting. Something that really helped with my workflow. I got an MMO mouse. Oh, cool. Uh, and it's just a mouse with a whole bunch of buttons on the side. The quick keys and stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. And so instead of like, I hardly ever take my hand off of the mouse anymore. And that seems like a really technical thing. But in the creative process, now that I no longer have to just this little thing of taking my hand off the mouse allows for so much more. And so, yeah, it's, that's the instances where the technicality, you might have to go through some hurdles to try and get to that point. But also what you the freedom, like you said, that happens afterwards is so worth it to be able to then not have to think about the technical stuff anymore. You, you go super technical so that you don't have to think so you about it can anymore. stop going there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even like reading, reading stuff about the way the Beatles made records, you know, like the lab coats and the, this, and this mic has to be this far away from that. It's so technical that it took somebody to go, I get it, but it sounds cooler here. And we're going to do that whether you like it or not, because we're the fucking Beatles, you know, like we'll buy you another one, you know, whatever. It doesn't make us any difference, you know, but getting to the point where you understand the technical, like you're saying the technicality so well that you can just do it. I mean, we've talked about this also recently where the, um, getting into a, you know, maybe a not a quote, non ideal situation. You know, I was in a, a tracking situation a couple, you know, say a month ago and, you know, the monitoring in there was really weird and it's not a bad thing because, uh, but I couldn't figure out left from right, not literally left from right, but the, like, I couldn't really understand what was going on, the things, and I've rebalanced the system and it made more sense. But at that point we had already put in a day's worth of work, you know? And so I was real nervous. I brought the stuff back here to Cardinal Song, put it on the speakers and I was like, oh no, we're fine. We're fine. <laughs> but this, it's again, because we get to a point where like the technical stuff like it's not exciting for me to put microphones in front of sources anymore. Like that, that part of it is not fun for me anymore, but that's okay because I can do it. And I know that I'm going to get a result that I'm happy with. Um, where it gets really fun is to start, you know, doing things intentionally quote wrong, you know, in order to make something that, that's weirder. But yeah, like when you, everyone wants to know what plug, what, what's your favorite plugin, right? Who gives a shit? It's the one that works for you. Yeah, anymore I'm kind of like I, I don't know, I don't know. Ooh, what do you do to the vote? Ah, I don't mm -hmm. know. I think I sang it and then doubled it and then did this and that. I don't know. 
I was just messing with stuff. I did an interview for a, or it was like a class thing for a, a buddy who's got um, the stamp in, at Rochester University up in New York. And that's about studio building and, you know, uh, planning and designing of, of studios. At the end, we just took some open-ended questions. And some of the kids, bless their hearts, um, were just like, how do you use compression? And I was like, to make stuff not as dynamic. You know, like, I know it seems dumb, but it's like, guys, you're, you've, you've overthought this. Like, just use the tools. What it's, a hammer is a hammer is a hammer. Oh, it's got a rubber tip on it? That's cool. It's still a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> this just reinforces reading the manual because, like, those kids are asking questions out of their ignorance and, and you're actually trying to say like, it's quite, you've done this to me over and over. It's you're overthinking this. So it's like the less knowledge you have about the thing, the more potentials there could be. Right. And so it's like, you, there's approximately three to four potentials here <laughs> and they're in the form of knobs. Just see what happens. Twist them. Uh, yeah. So long as you know what each knob does, yeah. then you're going to figure it out. And if you don't, Use the extremes of those knobs to figure out what they do. And then you have a better understanding. Like there's nothing, there's nothing hidden here. Yeah. I think knowing your tools is actually like a, like if you take the time to know your tools, you're actually fast tracking yourself to just be a pro quicker. Yeah. You, YouTube will not help you for that. <laughs> no, it won't because you still have to put the work in. Well, yeah. Okay. Uh, but as a resource, YouTube is great. No, no, YouTube itself is great. But but being like, I'm going to watch this guy talk about the, you know. I think I can play it. My five favorite vocal compressors. It's like, it's just a compressor. Yeah. Six six best vocal microphones. All all microphones are vocal microphones. You know, stop with this. Stop it. You know? And the other part of that is that like, you get someone else's bias. Exactly. When you, it's just like, oh, well, I like doing it this way because... And it's like, and I know this from being a student that like, especially your student and other people's students is, is that like, how do you do this? How, what is the right way? And it's like, as soon as someone tells you a way, you're the, you're that guy. The infant mind is just like, all right, this is mine now. Uh, That is the way. And there's no other way now. And it's like, you know have to do that it, that's the whole, right it's like you can try it try it like that yeah. you know but please please break that because it may not work for you explore really explore yeah sing into a d d112 it's a, it's a kick drum microphone so what does it sound cool do it yeah and and that was kind of a, a funny thing that i experienced is uh in like one of those classes uh we tried recording my vocals in like a certain method that was like, Oh yeah. Like having like a room and then have it like spaced and then whatever. And then that's how we'll do the vocals. And then when I listened back to it, I'm like, I don't like it. Yeah. It's like <laughs> everyone tries the Tony Visconti thing where it's like, we have the mic that Bowie sang into. Yeah. And yeah. 15 that was the feet thing. later. There's a stereo set of microphones. It's on a gate. And if you, the louder you sing, it'll open the gate and then you're getting room sounds. And if you set the gate right, it opens and closes naturally. Right. But you know who that works for? David Bowie, <laughs> because it's David Bowie. On that track. Exactly. Though, as well. Yeah. Like you can try it on any other Bowie track and it, it, might it wouldn't not have worked. Work. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's not about the thing that they did. It's more about what are you doing <laughs> yeah and the opportunity that the song presents itself 
with being like, Hey, would it be cool if something kind of pumped and breathed in this like room way that was opening? You know, yeah, let's try that because there's room for it in the song. The song told you to do that. Not Tony Visconti, not David Bowie. The song did the, the thing that you've created is the thing that's telling you what to do. You know? Touche. Yeah. At least that's me. Yeah. What, um, what are the rules that you're still following? Phase is maybe the one I pay the most attention to actively because I mean, I mean I, rules. I mean, that's just science. That's just, yeah, that's just, um, physics, you know, outside of that, I mean, anything's kind of gravy at that point, you know, but so long as things are in phase, I'm pretty happy. And if they're not in phase, at least they're in, at a portion of, of 180 degrees out or something in a way that allows it to still be additive in a way that doesn't just destroy the source. I know that sounds you know, lame, but that that's it for me. Oh no. Cause it's huge. Cause it's like the difference between something sounding good and something sounding not good. <laughs> well, sure. But also, uh, if <laughs> he's holding up the sticker, I made stickers that say never forget with the phase signs in them. <laughs> polarity. Excuse me. Polarity. Yes. How dare you? <laughs> never forget. I don't, I, I'm trying to think of a rule. The only rule really I have is like interpersonal, like the, the, the song wins, like nobody, like we can hash it out. We can talk it out. We can do whatever, but it's all about the song in the end. I think that's just my number one rule, like as a creative and specifically doing this. Well, with any art, right? It's yeah. the, it's the end product. It's the thing that you hear or see, or that's the only thing that matters. The struggles in between are irrelevant. It's a tough balance because you bring your ego to the door, no matter what, whether you want to or not, and you don't realize it or you do all, you know, there's some existential stuff in there, but the idea is to try to get out of the way to create a space for creating like number one rule is like, let's have a good time doing this. Let's enjoy this. Like life is to be savored, especially in these moments like this. What we're getting to do is special. We're getting to make something that I'll almost certainly like and somebody else might too. Right. That's cool. That's valuable to me. That's super valuable to me, given the fact that other people have made things that have helped me like be happy or get through sad times whether it's visual or audible, like it's all so worthwhile to me. It, it's the zest of life, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think we also get really like bogged down about the like limitations of stuff. Yes. Because then, you know, we, we're always seeking more gear. We're always trying to find the new cool thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, I want to do this thing. And it's like, you probably already have everything you need to do a thing that you want to do. And then there's other times where you don't know what you want to do. And you think that a, a new thing will give you the thing that you're looking for. But then other times it's just like, it's okay to have the limitations and the limitations give you so much more structures so that you can be more creative. I always think of the, uh, I always refer to this as the, the sandbox problem of like, whenever someone goes just make a thing you sit down and i was like i don't i don't know what to do there's so many things to do i don't want to uh but then it's like write me a song about a tree and then it's like oh i get this idea no oh, if i like use leaves as samples for the thing that'll be something is like you are given a limitation you're making stuff that you 
could have been doing in the previous question, but now that you have as something to guide you towards, it's like, oh, now there's so many more interesting things to try here. Well, and that's the, the, the beauty of context, right? Whether it's, well, I think what I'm hearing you say is, a, is that if you put somebody in the sandbox without any context whatsoever, you're going to, you'll get something, but it may be very scattered because you haven't focused the energy, you know, but yeah, context is huge and yeah, use whatever you got. Yeah. I mean, like limitations are important. They're really important. The idea of saying we're only going to use 16 tracks, period. And it's like, well, yeah, but you have, you got a DAW. You could use, yeah, I know, however many I want. But we have to keep the ideas limited to a certain number in order to maximize the the creativity in that moment. And then if it's a rule, then you're allowed to break it so long as everybody goes, all right, all hands in, we're breaking it. Boom. For this one, it's broken, you know, but then that requires a, a separate conversation, which allows for another creative output, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think it's important to recognize that what you have is enough um, and that you're always going to find like, you probably don't feel like you have enough unless you're Bender. <laughs> yeah. Uh, He's got a lot. But the, the, the main thesis of the point being um, what you have is part of the appeal because the way that it limit you, limits you, it also gives you a thing, your thing. Like I only have one Dan Electro guitar. <laughs> Um, and because of Cardinal song, I have, I have access to others, but I would make it work. I would, I would make it work. Or if I really needed something, I would tap into my community and be like, Hey, can I borrow a strap for a day or whatever? You know, like, I don't know. I, I feel like any more, the, the majority of the battle is like what, not what you don't have. It's showing up with what you do have. Yeah. We talk about that a lot too. It's just like, show up, show up and make stuff. Yeah. And, and the technicality is what gets you from like, all right, well, I have this thing and it's the, it's this limited thing. But if you know exactly what it does, then you know just how far you can go with it. I feel like in ways we're like software artist liaisons because we have these artists come in and they, they don't, some of them definitely do. They have the proficiency. They know what they're doing. Oh, yeah. But some of them... They don't know and they don't care. They just want to make the music. And it's like, I got you. Yes, all this work that I put in yeah. now can source you to get the thing that you want. Oh, man, that's such a great, that's a great thing. Yeah, I love being a great Pro Tools op. I love it. I love I love it too. You know? I really do. I love well, it. Well, it's just like, you know, can, can we do this? Yeah, absolutely we can. You know, the answer in, in my case with anything like that, the answer is never no. At least, I mean, at least not anymore. Maybe it was at one point in my life, but you know, it's, can we try that? Yeah, of course we can. You know, we may not like it, but we could try it. Yeah. And so, I mean, I always think about uh, for music theory as well is, is that I've noticed how my knowledge of music theory has limited my scope in that because school has given me all of these rules, I... I have a tendency towards certain things, even though I don't have to. And I know I don't have to, but I'm still like, yeah, but five one. <laughs> yeah. But that's a that's also a, a proven a proven winner. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, but it's like I'm I'm a little tired of like this thing. And it's like the more that I look at it, the more I'm like, all right, 
I know that I'm doing this thing and I want, it's not achieving the thing that I am necessarily going for. And that, and that's where the, <laughs> in some ways, like music theory knowledge can be a solution to a problem. If you're like, Oh, okay. How can I uh, approach it? Put a different chord in here that will be a bit closer to the thing that I'm going for. But a lot of times it is also a limiter in that, well, this is how it would normally be. This is what is possible within this key. And here's the, you know, closely related keys that I can choose from. But then it's like, no, 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 no. just like try stuff. And, and for me, the, the hard part is sort of allowing myself, like the technicality has limited me in the stuff that I can do. And sometimes I do want that like childlike freedom of being able to just go across a, a keyboard or go across a guitar and not know what I'm doing, but just enjoy the sounds. And like at this point, it's becoming harder to turn it off. That's interesting. You essentially just called me a child. <laughs> me too. That's a good thing. No, uh, I agree. I was just talking yeah. to my, my friend Mally about the childlike nature of the creator, uh, I think is something that you have to tap into because that's when you're like creating it your own, you're most like you haven't been touched by the, you know, the dark, the darkness of the, you know, the hardships that come with life. You yeah. yeah. You're, you're five, six, seven, you're chilling, man. Like it doesn't matter what you do. It's like looking at kids drawings. It's one of the most beautiful things because they have no concept yeah. and then just go like, see, Mommy, this is what you look like. And, and then now mom's got to go like, okay, yeah. yeah, I guess I do. Yeah. Or I do to that person in this time. You know, it's like, it's, it's really, it's beautiful. I'm, I'm curious about the knowledge of something that you're like, oh, the 5-1 doesn't feel right for this. Or like, I want to try something different. My mind instantly goes to like, I think that may be your soul listening for something else. And I actually believe that the brain and the soul are one. I think they're the same thing. Uh, that's a big, I know that was a big we're, we're jump. Going the, I was a big jump. Philosophy was, but the soul, was do it. I mean, there's a knowing, there's a knowledge in a room sometimes where everybody's on board and they're like, yo, that's the thing. And then we've been in rooms where there's like two categories of people where they're like, yo, no, this is the thing. And other people are like, this is definitely not the thing. And you're like, no, I am convinced this is the thing. So it's like, who's right? Who's right in that moment? Well, they're you both know? right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they're both right. And that's, and that's the thing where it's like, you can't shut down the, the willingness to explore both sides. So somebody says, I really feel like the five, one thing is, is it. And you go like, no, for me, I wanted to do, I don't know, six, six, four or whatever. And you're like uh, moving between these chords and it's like, okay, well, let's try it. The worst case scenario is we all listen to it and uh, on either side and you go, you know what? It should have been three, five the whole time or whatever, you know, and, and, you know, it doesn't matter. It's what's the, again, it's the output. It's the thing that you look at is the only thing that really truly matters. Yeah. Uh, I always refer to uh, chiseling away at the statue that isn't the marble or wow, I just said that backwards, chiseling away at the marble that isn't the statue. And it's like, like you said, serve the song. And so, yeah, sometimes like trying both ways and, and there's, there's so many songs. So like the, the, there's lots of songs on my album that I'm working on that I've had for years and years and years. Um, and sometimes I've tried like 
going somewhere else with it. And he's like, oh, I don't know. Like there's one in particular that is just like this one progression. And it's this one like simple melody and simple progression. And over the years, I've tried going somewhere else. I've tried like finding other lines or more lyrics or something. And it's like, I think this is just this mantra. And this is just all of the attempts at exploring everywhere else to go. And it's like my technical brain is like, no, there needs to be more. It can't be this simple. And then like the creative brain just goes, no, this was it the whole time. But it is. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's beauty in that. Yeah, yeah. There's beauty in the struggle as well as the the releasing of it. You know, to be like, yeah, no, it's okay. It's okay because it's what it is. If I if I don't want it to be this, then it's not this song. Mm-hmm. You know, we could fight it to death, or we can just <laughs> let it be what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're going a lot with the uh, how did the creativity save the thing? What are inst- instances where the technicality saved the thing? Oh gosh, that's that's all the time for me. Well, for me, it's it's a lot of like the patch bay thing, which kind of st- yeah. started this all. The patch bay has been like, oh, like a like a huge um, I knew it moment, but it's it was just like when I dove into Ableton too for the first time. It was like I wish I'd done this years ago. It's just unlocked so much potential. But yeah, you probably have more instances. But mine's only because I'm engineering and pro tools hopping so often it's my it's my actual job right so you know someone's like oh this drum thing isn't right i'm like i can fix it you know like oh you're saying flat i can fix it you know so it's like um you know all i do is fix things you know and that's some end of the spectrum my job is purely fixing things and at the other end it's it's just weirdness so I think it just kind of depends. Um, but technicality saves so many things, you know, from a, a DAW standpoint or just an audio standpoint where, you know, um, we're mixing Gonzo the Bronzo the last couple of days, you know, and you just did, uh, was it two episodes with Dave? Yeah. Yeah. So um, nice. Dave Hannon. Shout out Dave. Yeah. Wonderful man. Um, when they did some tracking at home for like some guitar stuff and things weren't very well labeled in the in their session so it was one of those like i'm dragging things over i'm trying to figure out what's what um in order to to do these really quick mixes for them and i think it was named like guitar one and guitar five and they were next to each other and they seemed like they were the same performance on different microphones or a di and a mic but but they also didn't you know because there were just enough time difference and so i was like i think this is the same take and so then I pop, you know, a piece of software on there and have it do some alignment. And sure enough, and it's like, as soon as you did that, it was like the whole image just got instantly, like it made sense because they were, you know, like 270 degrees out of phase panned hard left and hard right. And I'm just like, I can't, I don't even know what's going on. I can't hear the guitar part, but I can't tell if that's because they put a delay in it or, or what's going on. And so then I, I use auto align, um, I think sound radix makes that. And, you know, basically you have a source and then, and it, it, it looks at the next one in relationship to it and can then line them phase accurately and can also do the the polarity as well. So, well, that's a great utility. Yeah. It's really helpful. And I don't have to be like, I'm nudging by milliseconds to try to get things in place. I just go, just do the thing. And I, you know, and then it's done. Um, I'm going to, that was huge. And have to get that. And I think it was only on one song, but there were like six tracks on this one song that had that problem. And it's just, and, and that's just a, 
a labeling issue inside of Pro Tools. So they're moving fast. I think Dave was telling me, he's like, I would just take one track and I would uh, say duplicate 15 times. And so then they were just there because he'd be playing. And so somebody else in the band would just be hitting record more or less. And Pro Tools isn't what they do. So it makes sense that it was, you know, screwed up in that way. But um, yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's always little stuff like that. <laughs> it's also, it also seems that like the technical comes in to fix things. Has it ever been the source of the creativity of like, now I have this thing and it can make things <laughs> oh, <laughs> rather man. than, you know, oh, something's wrong. Let me fix it. Which is like, you can kind of apply that regardless, but like creative technicality. <laughs> Modular synthesis. I mean, I feel like it's an incredibly creative thing, but at some point it's just coming up with patches and ideas and plugging stuff in and then seeing what happens, you know, and then you go, okay, this needs that or needs to be modulated by this thing. It's very thinky. It's not, yeah. it's not expressive and like you can pick up an instrument. What's well, uh, predicated on discovery. Yeah. Yeah. But it's technicality that drives it because if you don't know what the LFO is and you know, and you don't understand what an on envelope generator and envelope follower and just all the, if you don't know what those things are, you're fucked out yeah, of the gate. Yeah. And that's like the first two years of you learning modular synthesis is just being like, I don't know what a low pass gate actually does. And then you do it and you go, oh, okay, I get it now. But it, like, it takes you plugging stuff in and be like, I don't know what this is doing. I don't know what this is doing. How does this relate to something else? And then you're buying all these modules trying to make something and you realize you had it all in like this one. I mean, it's just incredible. The never ending complex. story. Yeah. But it, even like uh, on the Ableton side, like Max, mm -hmm. Max for Live. Oh, yeah. yeah like that's, that. that's yeah. pure technicality that ends up spitting out beautiful things or monom with like norns and just the monom in general is just such an incredible, incredibly uh, useful device. But at some point you got to code, like you have to be a coder first that is trying to then make creative things. And that's where I check out. I'm just yeah, like, I can't, oh, yeah. I oh, can't. Yeah. I'm a hard pass on that for sure. <laughs> That's where a, a quick uh, text to Dustin Ragland is like, hey, I'm trying to do this thing. He's like, I made you a patch. Yeah, here's the thing. <laughs> Shout out yeah, Dustin. Yeah. Yeah. God bless Dustin Ragland. Yeah. He's been a, he's been an anchor in many ways. And Matt Lowry for that too. Yeah, and Matt. Just, Shout out Matt. Yeah. And in, in our community here in Oklahoma City, it's, yeah, we've got some really creative minds and some really out there places in uh, the electronic world. Of course, Dustin's now in Atlanta. If you're in Atlanta... Look up Dustin Ragland. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> you will be so happy. Oh my for God. It. He's oh the best. Uh, <laughs> facts. Yeah. But yeah. And I mean, that's, that's where my technical brain especially does have like the most fun while I don't know how to code or anything in max, just the, the possibilities that it yeah. gives you of just like, you can map an LFO to another LFO to another LFO. What does that do? That creates a three body problem. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you know about the three body problem? I have no yeah. idea. Uh, so in astrophysics, uh, it's pretty mappable to like have two bodies, uh, orbit each other and we can kind of understand what is happening there because of the pull that they have on each other. But when you add a third, it is entirely untraceable. Like the, it just behaves in a truly random way, in a way that it's still, you know, they still oscillate, they still orbit each other, but it's truly random. And you can just 
make that, but three LFOs in a row in Ableton and they will influence each other and you will make something entirely unpredictable. Ran- yeah. Unpredictable. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> so the three body problem is more like a three body opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> problem being, being a different sort of yeah, label on it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a problem for astrophysicists who are trying to trace the, the movements of planets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just turning, trying to turn astrophysics on its head here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Take that, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, actually. <laughs> actually, what is happening is. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's on this podcast next week. So, Oh, yeah, that's yeah, great. He's going to solve this problem right here now. Yeah, I, uh, we'll see what his people say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, and that's that's a completely technical thing that you were like, I don't know what you're saying about like mapping LFOs to each other. It's like, yeah, but you're going to get something that if you had just sat down at a keyboard or sat down at Pro Tools or something that you will never get otherwise. And it's like, here's just another aspect of data that you can turn into other data. And uh, you can do this in, in other programs too. You can import a image file and see what it sounds like as audio you can you know just turn data into other data and and that can just create other things that even if you don't even use whatever that thing was it can just end up inspiring you to be like ooh that created this sort of rhythm that i might use on this thing and yeah the the creative foundation with just max for example yeah it does you're just turning numbers into other numbers that's all it's it is so cool yeah i mean it yeah and, and this is kind of like adjacent to it but the thing you asked me about when we first kind of got here is like what are you really excited about right now and it's that stupid little pedal board i've built it's not stupid it's great but it's really cool um but i've built i've been doing this thing where i've been plugging any source into it, synthesizer, guitar, whatever. So um, I have multiple ways to come into it. Currently, I'm just, I could go in quarter inch jack or I've got uh, the old blood noise moss. So I could take a, a line level signal into it. I could take a microphone signal into it, whatever you want. It's it's wide open. Um, and, and then I'm running through these crazy pedals and I'm spitting something out that is nothing like the input, yeah. right? But then I'm taking that and um, turning those into other instruments. So I'm, I'm taking those waveforms and um, or these larger samples and then ma- mapping them to the keyboard and making these just like, and then it's doubly insane because now it's in Ableton. You can do whatever you want in Ableton. So it's like, yeah, the idea of information creating new information that then can create completely different sets of information is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's where, I mean, for me, how I kind of started talking about this is that I was like, what if I did 12-tone serialism, but like with time and sound? Uh, and that was the way of like converting numbers into other things. The The result maybe needed some more finessing in, as far as like making it sound more interesting or something. Uh, but like it's still, hey, turn numbers into other numbers and see what happens. Right. And, and that can allow you to, yeah, I mean, just all data is data all information is so it's like sound becomes something else and what happens when you break the rules intentionally but first you have to know what the thing is doing in order to break the rules in a way that it will understand (laughs) right right did you ever listen to um i think it was nasa they they had these crazy 
I can't remember the data, but it was, they were like pointing something at a planet and it was, I think they were receiving some sort of information back, but then they modulated it down into audio spectrum. I, I think I did hear about that. Yeah. So it was like the background noise of like Jupiter or something like that. And it's like, it doesn't actually make sound, but it was frequencies yeah. and frequencies are frequencies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you can just put that in the range that humans can hear. And like, this is what Jupiter sounds like. Yeah. This is the RF, you know, basically you're receiving radio frequency back from shooting, a, you know, radio frequency at something, you pick it back up and then you just modulate it way the hell down into auditory range. It's, it's insane. Yeah. And if you haven't listened to them go, for anybody who hasn't, it's it's fascinating. I'm interested. Yeah, because it's it's. I think it's on YouTube. You know, I was just poo pooing YouTube, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's it's so cool, and I, and I'm sure it's definitely on NASA's website somewhere. Yeah. Well, the other funny part is that like they did get a creative in there to like make it interesting because if it was all the sciencey people they would have been like well it's not really a sound because it's all above our range of hearing and it's also radio is not actually like sound waves it's just like stop yeah, it's cool it's just, yeah uh all the all the images that we see of space actually aren't isn't what that looks like they take they modify the colors and say like oh we know that there are oxygen particles here we know that there's hydrogen here we know that there's these things and so we can make those a different color that our telescopes are seeing and we can like make it an image that looks really pretty that's outside of our visual range i mean but that's the whole basis for astrophysics isn't it is is modulation of light Right. I mean, at least that's my understanding of it. Like the further you are back in back in time changes the is the the color spectrum changes. Mm -hmm. Right. Because because we can because of the way things reflect back over time. It's the same thing with with water. Right. Like light shining through water. Mm -hmm. You lose certain colors faster at certain points, um, you know, scuba diving stuff. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's all just waveforms. Everything's just waveforms yeah, all the yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um and it, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just pondering uh the like the people, you know, talk about there being frequencies that like you your body or the four forty two thing. Well yeah, the resonance of certain things. I have curiosities around that, but sure. Not I'm that's like a me sitting up in bed at two AM thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, so the difference between, you know, having the frequencies that Jupiter gives out versus like, oh, we're 432 hertz. All music is being tuned a little bit lower is like the difference of like not knowing what and how. And so like people who are really into 432 hertz don't know what frequencies do <laughs> it's like and a so weird it's like, thing to be just, into personally. right but it's like oh it's like at a better frequency with your yeah they like, say it's the residence of it's yeah. the residence of the planet and i'm like is it <laughs> I, I don't know is it like and if so i don't care i mean I, <laughs> right it doesn't I, yeah like i, I don't care what we tune in to like yeah. yeah does it change anything that we're perceiving maybe maybe not yeah and so like uh, okay well what we have now is a whole bunch of instruments and things that are tuned to 440. So like, if you want to make all your music in 432, like you're going to have to 
figure that part out. Yeah, get so, your piano tuner in. <laughs> he's going to need to be in for a week because that that's going to change the scale of that tuning. It's really hard I to do. I wonder how weird that would be on like a like a playlist to hear like ten songs in four forty, and then suddenly a song in four thirty two. It's in tune with the world, it's, man. Well, it oh, just yeah. literally it makes it to where it's just like slightly yeah. lower. We can do that. Yeah, it's it's just we, slightly we can lower. do that right now. Two songs, pitch one down. Yeah. That many cents? It's a it's a no brainer. Yeah. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> just kidding. It's funny. Yeah, it's all. It, it's just funny. I remember one of those back when I was still teaching. I had this this moment in oh, what class? Sonic fundamentals. I don't know if you had that when we were. Yeah. yeah so sonic fundamentals. Um, There's this guy who I found. I really loved this kid and he was not a great student. Like he didn't do well on tests and things like that, but it didn't really make any difference. I thought he was one of the more interesting people to have in class. And um, unfortunately he didn't come to the final. Um, no, but I had like this thing. Cause I, I, I realized he didn't need school. You don't need this. You need to read this book though. And I yeah. like, I bought him a book and, and I didn't tell him, I was just going to give it to him on the way out of class and uh, he didn't show up. So I felt I wanted to give that to him. He was a really neat guy, but at one point we were just, we were sitting there and we were talking about light and sound and all these and how everything's just waveforms. And he just, he had one of those like explosion moments in his eyes. And I was like, you're having fun now, aren't you? And he was like, this is crazy. And I was like, it's all just science, baby. Like none of this stuff is weird. It's all everything. We are just these little instruments that are so specifically tuned to various patterns of, of light and sound, which is all just some waveform kind of ethereal yeah and he was just like oh my god are we doing acid right now it's like no you're in class just learning about how how things work you're tripping on natural dmt my friend exactly <laughs> what book was it i'm curious do you remember yeah was it, it was ishmael it was ishmael you bought he bought that for me too i yeah. haven't read it yet i plan to that's fine it's i just like that book because it makes you go that makes you think about things in a way that you go oh and especially when i read it in my 20s it was just one of those like okay I guess everything is everything. That's or, how I felt when I read Hatchet. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> right. Sorry. It's a throwback to the other podcast we were just on. Um, oh, deep cuts, deep cuts. Deep cuts. You had to Sorry. listen to them both. I derailed your thought. I apologize. No, no, it's perfectly fine. But yeah, so I, it's, yeah, it's just an interesting book. Have you, have you read Ishmael? I have not, no. Well, I, I have an extra copy of it, of it I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have books like that too. I always keep a couple copies of that around just because I think it's interesting. I need, I'm actually trying to go back and reread it and there's a whole little series with it. And I don't know. Everyone says it's kind of crappy philosophy, but I, I found it at the time to be very uh, empowering in a, in a way of just being um, allowed to think differently. And he was somebody who was really cool who I, I think needed to be told he was allowed to think differently. Sure. Sure. That was really cool. Yeah. So there's the Lord's work. Yeah. <laughs> Sciences so, work. Uh, a concept that I feel like maybe I don't talk enough about given the name of this podcast is, is bit depth. Sure. Uh, and that what happened to that student was like his bit depth increased. Yep. Yeah. And, and when you read certain things it's like, Oh, I have more room for different kinds of information exponentially. Yes. And so do do you know how bit depth is? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, know. and so it doesn't just apply to like 
sound and how many loudnesses, it also applies applies to like data. Right. And so I finally got one right, dad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so once you kind of add another module by which you can understand things, everything else changes. I think there was a, a thing that, I don't know, from maybe our parents' generation to like our generation, I'm a little bit younger than you guys, but like the, the difference in thinking of things in binaries to spectrums. And that is something that has increased our bit depth as a culture to be able to understand that, oh, we can go somewhere in between. And, and that's something that like, if you haven't expanded your brain with that and applied it to everything early on, it might be really hard for you to apply that to everything. That's why like some older generations just like see that stuff and they're like, I don't know. Nope. Yeah. I mean, we're fighting that big time right now. Yeah. Not just in our state, but uh, in our country and in the world. Yeah. 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 And and then the ways in which, and and kind of going back to, again, calling back to the previous podcast, like sort of looking for your blind spots is that there are ways of understanding that we haven't opened ourselves to as well. And it's like, well, you know, we can think of things in a spectrum, but maybe there's also like a third you know, or a, a a second axis for us to understand things on. And so now we can look at things not just from like side to side, but up and down. And you can apply that to everything else. And that just exponentially opens you up to everything else. And you can apply that to everything else. And so, yeah, I mean, there's going to be things that future generations are going to understand fully and easily that we are not going to be able to begin Absolutely. to like, how does that even work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like just collective knowledge, you know, like it keeps, it keeps getting deeper and the well keeps getting deeper and deeper. And hopefully, you know, we can all start drinking from that spring soon, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah. Well, therein lies why I think I'm attracted to people that are curious why I'm attracted to people that like to create is because they, they actually see the world as an expanding thing where, you know, I, I wouldn't venture to guess how many people do and do not, but I know it's, you know, there's not, there's not a whole lot of people that, that do, that even give a, that care at all about what we're talking about, where the three of us in this room are like, what like the what's this ever expanding life that we're living in like i've i kind of liken it to like humans getting firmware updates mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah exactly we're in a very large firmware update this is like a new number i don't know i don't know what number we're on yet i'll have to ask jesus but <laughs> <laughs> that's a sorry he's not taking calls yeah Ooh, is he are you sure uh, no shade to Jesus, genuinely. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Jesus. Shout out to Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, I think th- the idea of the the spectrum being broadened uh, is I found myself where I've been more conservative of thought at times and, and been like, but why? And then that simple question, if you're willing to at least kind of stop there and be like, well, why do I? What is the construct that 
that is built that makes me feel this way or think that this is right versus wrong, et cetera, et cetera. So to be open-minded, I, I do believe is in an, in a way to be the type of individual that has like a kind of an audacious love and, and or acceptance of its fellow human. Uh, does it make sense? Yeah. And of things that you don't necessarily understand yeah. where, where your reaction isn't necessarily fear. It's just like a, Oh, that's just, that's cool. That's that thing. You've been talking about, uh, Santiago, you've been saying that you're, uh, check you're, you want to see your blind spots. I kind of say the same thing in, in the, the sense that like my people in my life are holding up a mirror to who I am. And so I have to be, I have to, I choose people that will hold that mirror up because they love me. And because I'll also hold the mirror up so that we can see ourselves in a vulnerable enough state, uh, to be able to deliver messages of love in the form of critique. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, isn't critique, no, I mean, I, I try to always think of critique as a form of love because other, I mean, if you're just being an asshole, it's different, but you know, if, if, I think some people just see it rooted in hurt because they don't, they don't like to be questioned or, oh no, they were found out or, you know, I think it creates a reaction. It can. I mean, I've definitely uh, been in relationships with, with people like that where it's like, this isn't personal. To you. Well, it's, it's something that's happening. And if we want to move past it, then it's something that we have to discuss. It's not personal about you. It's, it's, it's about this situation, which includes me. So I, I'm, I'm willing to be wrong in that situation too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just feel that that, that actually, that type of uh, deliverable deserves pretense and a preface. It helps me deliver the knowledge, what I find to be helpful knowledge, maybe, in, in true for like true earnest love sure. so that they know for a fact. Yeah. Context. Yes. Some amount of context. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how we got there. Yeah. No, I mean, but we're going where we goes. are. Yeah. Welcome to the, welcome to the ethereality. <laughs> yeah. Um, something I've been really into lately is uh team CBT. Sorry if you know what CBT is. Like um, the oil or the yeah, compounds. <laughs> CBT. Uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, oh, not CBD. My bad. <laughs> the so team CBT is not just like acronyms on acronyms, but it's a uh, like a different kind of cognitive behavioral therapy that has a process and kind of approaches uh, psychology in a scientific way. And so, how we can not just help each other and ourselves, but also like finding a way of understanding ourselves. So, uh, TEAM, uh, testing, empathy, agenda setting and methods. And so it's like testing is just like, how are you feeling before and after you've talked about this thing? Uh, agenda setting is just like, what are the things that you are feeling? Where would we like them to be? How would you like to be feeling instead? Uh, or sorry, uh, that was agenda setting. Empathy. Empathy is just getting to the point to where you feel comfortable enough with the other person so that you can yeah, get so you yourself can there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then methods is just like how to actually address each individual thing. And it's just like, there's just specific methods that you would use. Um, and yes, this is like a form of like therapy, but also you can use it interpersonally. 
and be like, I can't give someone critique until they understand that I am empathizing with them. Right, right. And and so if if you just go up front and be like, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this, we should change this. And it's like, from your understanding, you might be like, yeah, because I want to help you and I want you to be better. I want all of us to be better. But from their point of view, they might not be feeling the empathy and they're just like, you're just coming up here being an asshole and telling me about these things that you don't like about me. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's an interesting dichotomy, right? Cause at some point you also have to, um, view, I guess, especially at my world, the, the job is to, um, is to present options, right? So it's not that I'm not specifically that I'm not poo-pooing somebody to poo-poo it, you know, be like, uh, maybe I, what if we try it like this? Yeah. So you couch, you couch all these things in a way that is, uh, specifically surrounding the idea of, um, never shutting it down, but also offering options. And, um, and oftentimes at least I find, um, in the work that I do that, that turns out to be pretty helpful mm-hmm. because I, I, I've been in the room one too many times when someone's just like, Nope, that's not how we're going to do it. And you watch that over, especially over a course of years. I mean, everyone knows what it's like to be in a band in this room. And if you, if you are listening to this and you don't know what it's like to collaborate at that level, I highly recommend it, whether it's music or whatever, find somebody and some people that you can get together and make things with that, that you can, you can fail with. The idea is to fail and hopefully in your failings, you end up succeeding, whatever. But the, um, when someone, when there's always somebody who's just, nope, 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 that the person they're doing it to just is so defeated by the end of the process that they, the resent kicks in or the anger. And then, and this is why bands fall apart in front of your eyes. Um, and especially in what I do, I'm in a room and we're making creative decisions and everyone's working hard and emotions are, are running. And if somehow that just hits a boiling point, I mean, it's brutal. It's hard to return from too. Yeah. It's brutal. It's brutal to watch. It's brutal to be a part of. It's so awkward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's super, super crazy. So yeah. Empathy is always. Yeah. Yeah. It's always the first thing. Yeah. It's kind of a core tenet of the people that I, I, or of what I look for in the people I want to be around. Yeah. yeah 100%. And, and, and that way that whenever you are in that kind of situation, if there is like a, it, I mean, also I feel like in the studio, you yourselves probably also have to have like some methods yourselves. It's like, all right, tension's high. How, how about we take a break? How about we blah, blah, blah. We're going to like, I'm going to sit down and talk to this person. Just like, <laughs> and, and that's part of the process that may not, you may not want to be coming up, but like, yeah, there are part solutions of the job. to it that is, as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to have experience of like having been in bands and been in the studio with other producers and being like, oh man, like my friend Jared, man, what we put him through for a month straight, like what, he's a saint in my eyes. But yeah, I mean, you, you actually uh, do that really well of kind of like managing the room. But we've talked about this when we were talking about what's a producer. A lot of times, like that's part of a producer's role is to manage the interpersonality, uh, you know, spectrum going on in that room and that, in that space at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Flows of energy. Oh yeah. yeah. 
And typically they flow at 440. Yeah. Hey, it's a good way to close this thing out. Uh, Thank you guys for doing this with me. Thank you. Honor and pleasure. So much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess we'll go clockwise. Aaron, where can we find you and your things? Uh, Just my name, AA Ron Newberry, (laughs) at like Instagram and, and all that stuff. And yeah, you can find me through Cardinal Song as well, pretty easily. You got to, fin- you got to write your bio. We got to get that up on the website. I, it's written, but yeah, I'll just get it to you. Can you just give like a warm up there or something. Yeah. yeah I got a little, <laughs> a little blurb for him and it just says bio coming soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, eagerly yeah. awaited bio coming yeah. soon. <laughs> yeah. 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 Tens of needles, bud. Um, my name is Michael Trepanye. I, uh, I run Cardinal Song Studios, um, uh, here in Oklahoma city and I mean, socials, the Cardinal Song OKC, more or less on Instagram, cardinalsongokc.com for the website. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm, yeah, I don't do much on the on the socials. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, if you want to get your stuff recorded or mixed or whatever, like come here and get sounds happening yeah. and they will get you to where, hopefully closer to where you want to be and you will discover the statue that is below the marble exactly that's (laughs) our entire job yeah i can speak from having been here and and been more of a tenant and less of an owner to say that this is a this is a place people really enjoy making music and that's widely accepted as a thing that you know michael made happen so uh thank you michael for making this place (laughs) yeah you're welcome um i'm santiago Ramones. i'm aaron newberry I'm Michael Trepanier. Uh, is there like a song that can play at the end of this? Is there something that either of Dude, you Dude, do you want been, us to like, loan you our ending or do you want something yeah. different? <laughs> well, no, I mean like like a full track yeah. Yeah. To, to play at the end of this. Absolutely. Uh, what's, Aaron's what's got uh, three songs he's working on. <laughs> of we'll course. play all three of them. Yeah, whore me out. <laughs> well, they're great songs. I appreciate Jeez. that. No, <laughs> I was joking. I was joking. <laughs> right. All right. So pick one of the songs. What's about to play Oh gosh. Um, I think I'll play the instrumental version of what I'm calling, um, best coast. Cool. <laughs> yeah. That's the one with AJ. Yeah. This with my buddy awesome. AJ. Yeah, we, this made this, great. we made this song. I'm really, it's, it's tight. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music and produce audio. The music you're hearing now is music I made. You can listen to official releases by Santiago Ramones on Spotify, Apple Music, and the other streaming places. Or you can support me directly by buying my music on Bandcamp. I'm working on Hypothetical, my first singer-songwriter album. So if you'd like to hear that at some point, there are lots of ways to support me on my website. There's a Discord server in which we discuss deep topics from the podcast, but it's also a community of beautiful human beings. All the links to all my things are on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It would mean a lot to me to hear what you have to say, and it lets others know what to expect better than I could ever explain. I want to help the world have deeper conversations. So thank you for listening to and supporting BitDepth. I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are if love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <Pretty> great. <laughs> cool. Yeah, we did it.